Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 246. Today's show is dedicated to the career of one of the biggest movie stars in the world, Mr. Sylvester Stallone. From Rocky to Rambo and many great films in between, Sylvester Stallone has inspired and entertained a legion of movie fans while drawing billions at the worldwide box office. With Rambo Last Blood releasing in theatres today, I thought it would be a great time to look back at the career of a man whose films have inspired generations. And who better to talk about all things Stallone than director, writer, actor, and the man behind the Arrow in the Head website, Mr. John Fallon. John, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. It's my pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. So before we get into all things to learn, I just want to touch on some things that's happening with you lately. I saw mm. um, on your Twitter that you are actually going to be a part of the Cameo Network. Can you explain exactly what that is? Yeah, uh, the Cameo Network is basically, um, they, they approached me and asked me if I wanted to be on it. I checked it out. And it's basically celebrities are there. And like Snoop Dogg is on it, the Corey Feldman and stuff like that. And for a certain price, um, people get to get celebrities to record like a video message for for the fans. So let's say Stallone was on it, and you love Stallone, so I would order it, I would pay for it, and Stallone would uh, videotape himself, uh, you know, saying, "Hey Matt, how you doing? Happy birthday!" Blah blah blah, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I've never done anything like that before. They approached me, I figured why not give it a shot, see what happens. That is excellent. I mean, it's such a really cool way these days to try to be in touch with people from around the world. I mean, I remember back in the day of writing letters to my favorite <laughs> actors and such, and uh, you know, sometimes yeah. you get a response, sometimes you don't. This way, uh, it's a really great kind of direct way to talk to people. I also wanted to talk about, just a little of a brief moment, about a movie that you're working on right now, which, which is very interesting to me. I've seen a lot of posts about it, and that's the film Heretic. Um, yeah. You're directing the film. How are things going with that movie? Um, when are we expecting in, any news in regards to uh, release dates, etc.? Well, right now, you know, getting getting a film off the ground outside of the studio system is uh, what I like to call um, a battle, an epic battle. Um, so we came, you know, I have a, I'm, I'm surrounded by a very good team. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in my producers. And um, we've basically building and building and building this year. And we were one inch away from pulling the trigger and entering uh, official pre-production. But something happened at the finish line, and the deck of cards crumbled, as they say. So, um, but we've, you know, we've dusted ourselves off, we've regrouped, and then we're back at it. So right now, it's looking like we're going to enter uh, production next April. That is excellent because from what I've seen so far in regards to story ideas and tweets that you put out there, it seems like it's the whole thing in regards to um, the Knights Templar and all that stuff is so interesting. Mm. I've listened to a podcast recently that dispels the myths, talks about the realities of this situation. It makes for such great movie fodder, so I'm really interested to see what you guys do with it. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm... uh... You know, I have other projects that I'm attached to, like No Man's Ridge with Eric Red, which is also slated to uh, shoot next year, which I'm producing and I'm also acting in. And I'm developing something a little smaller on the side. I call it my surprise project, so I'll keep that for when I'm ready to say surprise. But in terms of Heretic, it is my passion project. It's it's um, like I'm, I'll kill myself to get it off the ground. So... Uh, and I get my cake and eat it too with it. That's the beauty about that project. It has action, but it's also drama, and it has something to say. And it's uh, somewhat of a dissection of faith. You know, not just you know Christian Catholic faith, but all faiths. So uh, you'll see. A person who, back in his um, days, was himself a actor um, outside of the studio system, struggling to get there, was Mr. Sylvester Stallone, who in 1976 yes. changed the world with Rocky. Um, and he's an actor that I think, outside of uh, like other people in that era, he was almost kind of like a motivational speaker in a way, and in a way he presented his films. Um, Definitely. And I, I, I know that you said to me, 
outside of the, our, our podcast in, in chats that we had that he was a guy that really inspired your career. Likewise yeah. with me, I mean, I, the, I think like if people ask me who my favorite um, actor is, I'll say Pacino. If people say who my favorite director is, I'll say Scorsese. But if you're going to ask me who was the guy that really got me not only into movies, but into boxing, into fitness, all that kind of stuff, it's yeah. Stallone. Um, and I distinctly remember the first impressions of movies in general were his movies. Rocky II, that final fight scene between him and Apollo Creed. Uh, first Blood. I think First Blood was the film, first film I saw, not the whole film, but a certain segment, that's the chase scene, where he's on that motorbike, and he's going through the streets, and he's heading up towards the mountain range with the cops chasing him. I mean, that was... Yeah. Still, still to this day, burn in my memory. Those are my first impressions, and I fell in love with not only the characters that he made, but that was kind of like the segue into movies in general. Um, and that's what made me what I'm doing today. And so many facets of my life revolve around those first impressions of films, and it has to do with Stallone. Um, what about yourself, John? What was the first time, whether it be in cinema, whether it be on TV, because, you know, you and I grew up during the VHS generation, so a lot of our Stallone yeah. consumption came from that. Um, what was the first yeah. time that you saw Stallone on the screen? Uh, it was uh, Rocky, the original Rocky on television, and um, after that, if memory serves me right, it was First Blood on Beta. Beta? It was Beta. Yes. Yep. And the first time I saw a Sylvester Stallone movie on the big screen, it was Rocky IV. It could have been Rocky III, but my dad couldn't find parking. <laughs> and he lost his temper, and uh, he said, we're going back home. And I remember I was crushed. But, uh, or yeah, Rocky IV was the first time I found the big screen. You know, the funny thing about Stallone's films is that all of these movies... The majority of, I would say 90% of them, my first viewings was on VHS or DVD. I did not see a Stallone film on the big screen until mm. I think it was it was a Rocky Balboa um, in 2006. Oh, yeah. And so, wow. and that was a really big thing to me because it, it kind of struck me just as I was going to watch it. It was like, oh my God, you know, this guy is one of my favorite movie stars, if not my favorite movie stars of all time. This is going to be the first time I'm going to watch his movie. Um, on the big screen and it, it, it was almost kind of like a uh, spiritual kind of almost moment for me um, hmm. going from that to his latest film Rambo Last Blood I saw that last week um, oh I've, you saw it I've seen it oh. I've written my review of it it's going to go up later um, today um, there's an emb worldwide embargo so it won't be for another few hours or so I am giving it okay. a positive review. In my opinion, it's the strongest Rambo film since the first movie. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And, and I, the reason I say that, and I'm going to talk about it now because by the time this podcast comes up, the embargo's passed, so I can, I, I'm free to talk about my reactions to it. The reason why I say that is because, to me, the character of John Rambo, when people think of him, they think of this muscle-bound kind of guy just laying waste to battalions of enemy soldiers in front of him. To me, when I think of Rambo, I think of that scene at the end of First Blood um, where Stallone he breaks down and he just talks about all the grievances that he has, the sadness, almost a mourning that he has. And to me, yeah. when, I, when, I talk, when I think about that film First Blood, to me, it's almost like the perfect action drama. Um, it has those elements of great action filmmaking, but it's not necessarily an action film per se. There are action scenes, but there's the dramatic elements that really make it. And that's something that kind of shines in the latest film as well. Of course, you've got your really bloody violence, and Last Blood is bloody. And it's really just... It puts to shame some of the other kind of movies that have been released lately that have, like, that one-man kind of uh, warrior machine guys. Um, he just... Yeah. He reclaims that throne. Um, in your opinion, John, First Blood, do you think it is the perfect action drama? And as, did that end monologue, do you think that's perhaps Stallone's finest dramatic moment he's captured on film so far? Well, it's funny because that end monologue, I actually, uh, I, I went to act a theater school, acting school, for three years. Uh, that was part of my education. And... Uh, Everybody would have to choose a monologue, and everybody you know, chose Shakespeare or uh, Tennessee Williams, and I chose First Blood. You know, nothing is over, nothing. 
just don't turn it off. It wasn't my war. You asked me, I didn't ask you. And the teachers were like kind of blown away that I would choose that. Um, in terms of your particular question, I don't know, Stallone, you know, Stallone is, well, I think he gets, he gets the respect now. He gets the respect that he's always deserved as an actor. Hmm. Uh, you know, with his, with his uh, Golden Globe nomination, and we all know he should have won that Oscar. Um, but back then, he didn't. You know, he was, he was always considered the, more like an action guy, and every time he tried to get out of the action thing, uh, you know, people would kind of like lambast him to some degree. Is it his best moment? The end monologue of First Blood, it's one of them in my opinion. But you know, you have Rocky, you have Copland, you have even Lockup. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like uh, Rocky Three when Mickey dies. Yes. That that scene, that scene rips me to pieces uh, every time I see it. Even as a grown man, I, I break down. Yeah. Mick, Mick. You know, it's like whoa. Uh, no, uh, it's one of them. How about that? Sorry, I'm kind of like dancing all over the place now. It's one of them, definitely, but I can't say with a you know 100 that it's the best one. Rocky Three is that scene in Rocky Three is really interesting because Rocky Three came out the same year as First Blood, and yeah. it really does feel like that as a movie star and also as an actor, he seemed to be really on top of his game. But the Rocky movies, in my opinion, um, so we got the six original films and then we got the two kind of spin-offs, etc. Um, yeah. Those movies, to me, really kind of personify what who Stallone is, not only as an as a actor, you know, you got the drama, you got the action, you got all these kind of things, but also what he is as a, as a creator. He's a director, he's a writer as well. Um, I think out mm-hmm. of the six movies, he directed like four of them. He wrote all of them. Um, but now I think it's time for you and I to really rank those first six Rocky movies. We're going to try to give it a definitive rank here. And I might have a feeling that you and I might be very similar uh, in how we place things. So, John, how about you go first? How would you rank those first six uh, Rocky films? Okay. It would be Rocky, the original, Rocky Three. Uh-huh. Rocky Balboa. Rocky... This was a... I was kind of torn about this next choice. Rocky 4. Mm-hmm. Then Rocky 2. Then Rocky 5. Okay. That I came up with. So you and I are a little different here. So I have... <laughs> Good. Okay, so I have Rocky, original Rocky. And I think everyone agrees yeah. that that original Rocky is the best one in the series. Yeah. My second choice is actually Rocky 2. Um... There is some nostalgia attached to that. That was the first Rocky movie that I saw, one of the first alone films that I saw as well. Um, my third choice is actually Rocky Balboa. Um, and I'll get to why uh, in, in, in a little later. Um, and then I go four, three, mm. and then mm. five. So you and I both agree on the placement of one down to six. I think where we, we kind of differ is where three and two a place, and I'm not saying I don't like three. I love three. I think three is just a fan- fantastic film. Um, but two to me, and it might be a bit controversial here because I know a lot of people love the fight scene in Rocky Four, and so do I. But to me, two has the best fight scene. That Apollo Creed Sylvester Stallone rematch at the end, when compared to where Number One had its thing. I mean, Number One was a really low budget film. Um, you have actors in there that are really yeah. green um, I think at the time Burgess Meredith and Burt Young they were the veterans of that, of that film but Stallone was really green as a movie star um, as an action person number two what he brought as a director in regards to fight choreography the use of slow motion which a lot of people when they did use it at the time didn't really bring the really kind of dramatic heft to it that he did that was something that really kind of just floored me and at that 10 count at the end we both Rocky and Apollo Creed are trying to get up those ropes and then Rocky finally wins it and then he does the Adrian I did it at the end to me that was almost the most satisfying moment in that whole franchise but what about yourself John when we talk about number 3 which you placed at at the second place in your ranking what was about number 3 that really moved you I know you talked about the Mickey scene Uh, what else about that film 
really kind of struck a chord with you? I think number three is the best middle. You see, there are two types, from my perspective, two types of Rocky films. There's the grounded uh, Rocky movies, like the original Rocky and Rocky II, and then and, and Rocky Balboa. And then there's the more commercial, you know, cheesy, like Rocky IV. Actually, Rocky IV is pretty much the only one. And Rocky V was an attempt at the grounded, but it's, it was just a misfire all around. Yep. Rocky III, though, is a perfect mix for me of the heart and the, the, the character depth of the first two, but the kind of montage music, Eye of the Tiger, clip pace, uh, um, feel of Rocky Four. So, part three is part two. Stallone basically followed kind of like the, the same template as the director, uh, Wilson, his template in terms as a director. But part three is all Stallone. You, you feel that it's him as a director, it's him behind the lens, and he has a way to communicate chain of events that I personally really like. And so, yeah, I love part three because it's half. You know, a, a heartfelt character study in half a very entertaining, uh, you know, commercial film, mainstream film. I think the thing that Part Three that a lot of people remember as well is it ushered in Eye of the Tiger in the, in pop yeah, in yeah. pop culture lore. Interesting, interesting, interesting trivia in regards to that. Did you know that the original song that Stallone wanted? for that movie was Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Can you imagine yeah, how, yeah. how different that would that would be um, if that song wasn't, like Eye of the Tiger wasn't a part of that movie? I think it would just would change the whole kind of feel of, of that film if, if, you know, that that thumping bass line and Freddie Mercury's vocals was just like at the, the opening of, of that, that monologue where Rocky has these like, what was it, 10 or 11 title defenses in that excellent yeah. montage there. Yeah, with the magazines and you know his rise to fame, and which yeah, was pretty much a parallel to to Stone's own rise to fame at the time. Yeah, I don't see another one back to dust there at all. And uh, you know everything happens for a reason, and thank God because I had a tiger is a song that still gets me. You know, want to lift some weights or punch the bag when I hear it every single freaking time. Absolutely, that and uh, no easy way out from Rocky Four. Those are my two. Oh yeah, <laughs> my two favorite. Uh, Rocky kind of pop culture uh, rocking songs from from that movie. Um, recently, Sylvester Stallone had an interview, I believe it was with uh, Variety, just talking about his career. No doubt, in the lead up to the release of Last Blood, he shared news that kind of shocked a lot of people, and that was that he doesn't own a stake in the the Rocky uh, franchise. And I think a lot of people assume that him being the creator of that character, uh, the man, you know, who without him that film doesn't do anything, right? I mean, Stallone is Rocky, um, but he doesn't have ownership of it. And when thinking of it, you got to think back to 1975, 76, um, when the movie yeah. was made. He, he was no one. And I'm no doubt he would have signed off on a lot of things. How shocked were you, though, yeah. that when you, when you heard that Stallone didn't own a piece of the Rocky franchise? Uh, not at all, actually. I wasn't shocked at all because for the reason that you said... Um, you know, Stallone was nobody at the time, and uh, you know the studio wanted a star. They wanted uh, you know, James Caan and stuff like that, guys like that. And uh, you know he held off, and finally you know they let Stallone make the film, but for a much lower budget that they initially wanted to make it for. So I wasn't surprised at all that he just you know signed whatever would get it going, you know, and uh, he needed to to. Uh, get the film off the ground and he needed to be able to showcase his, his stuff on the screen to be able to move his career uh, further and obviously as we all know it paid off he got Oscar nominated and won Oscars for the screenplay if I remember correctly um, so no I wasn't surprised in terms of I know how this business is and I'm not, I wasn't surprised at all the Creed films are the spin-off from the Rocky movies and I think that if there was any type of way you could do something with a franchise, a story does that and make it fresh and make it exciting again, that was the way to do it. Um, Stallone, of course, received an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor yeah. um, for that first Creed movie. He won the Golden Globe. He was an odds-on Oscar favorite to win it. I think a lot of people were anticipating 
still learned to win. I myself was. I was going to jump would. up for joy when he did it, and then he lost to Mark Rylance for his work in Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies is a, a great film. Mike Rylance did a great performance, but, I mean, that was, in my, in my like, Oscars history has, like, a... Uh, a long lineage of injustices you know exactly how Pacino never won an award for the Godfather films who knows but these things happen yeah. I think when people look back now you know if that moment was there Stallone's for the taking I think a lot of people look to though the Golden Globe speech that Stallone gave in which he I think a lot of people had a problem with not enough credit being given to um Ryan Coogler, who was the um, um, writer and director of the film, and also to Michael B. Jordan, mm. people took it as a slight against them. I think Stallone was just overwhelmed uh, by the fact that this creation of his has been resurrected, and he was mm. winning awards for it. Um, what did you think, John? Did you think the Golden Globe speech costs Stallone the Oscar? Well, you know, in terms of how our society has been, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're such a bunch of well, yeah. Uh, the, the world as we know it, uh, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't recognize it. We're a bunch of pansies, a bunch of crybabies, and uh, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised that Stallone forgot to mention a couple of people, and and which, by the way, I'm, I'm sure you remember, he actually went on Twitter after and you know thanked Mike, Michael B. Jordan and thank you know uh, Ryan, <clears throat> but I wouldn't be surprised if that would do it. Yeah, sadly. Um, but he deserved it, and they should have given it. It was a perfect opportunity, uh, you know, to, to do right by, by Stallone, and they should have had it, in my opinion, of course. I think so, too. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, even before he went on social media to congratulate Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler, he did it in the post-Golden Globes press conference scrum uh Mm. He, he was like, oh my god, I forgot to mention these people, and he did it straight away. I think you are absolutely right in kind of like in the sort of environment and conditions that a lot of a lot of people in the entertainment industry and politics, etc. We live in, in a time right now where one little mistake, one little faux pas, one little error, um, whether it be mm-hmm. from five minutes ago to 20 years ago, can cost a person their career can cost a person, you know, much, much deserved plaudits, much deserved, uh, uh, whatever. And I think it's, it's a really kind of curiously, uh, curious time we are living in. I'm really kind of sad one as well. Um, and I, uh, in regards to Stallone, I mean, it's interesting thing about him is that though, he's always the guy that kind of bounced back his career and his yeah. personal life very much reflect his work I mean, Rocky Balboa is 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 the cinematic kind of like uh, reflection of Stallone as a whole, and I think something that really reflects that is the Rocky Balboa film. I mean, you got to think about it up to from Copland up to that movie, he wasn't having a good run at all. Almost a decade of yeah. misfires and blockbuster duds and. At the end, there, who was going straight to video, and that was before you know, yep. going you know, video on demand and streaming was a cool thing. Being straight to video back then was not a, a good thing whatsoever. He was doing his own reality <laughs> show in the contender. First season was excellent, by the way. I always love loved that show. Um, yeah, but Rocky Balboa put him back on the map, and I think a lot of people were kind of cynical about it. You know, he's he was pushing maybe 65, maybe, maybe a little older at the time. But there was a moment in the film that I think won everyone over, and that was the monologue, where it's him, Rocky, talking to his son, uh, played yeah. by Milo um, Valentin. Uh, I think his name was Valentina, I think it is. I'm just drawing a blank there, but he was excellently cast as Rocky's son. Um, and it was a monologue that I think inspired like a thousand memes and videos in regards to inspiration and such. And if for anyone don't know what it is, I, I really recommend you look it up. He talks about you know, um, you know, getting hit in the face by life, but you keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if you began, I mean, you talked about the first blood monologue, John, and you used that as your kind of thing for drama school. If you started drama school now, I'd imagine you would have used the monologue from Rocky Balboa as as your as your ring. Definitely. 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 I mean, you know, that monologue is is basically 
just everything about Stallone, but said overtly. I mean, um, like for me as, as a kid, why I gravitated towards Stallone, and a lot of people like yourself, and a lot of people gravitated towards Stallone, I personally didn't have a present father figure. So Stallone was for me, this is what being a man is all about. And his whole philosophy that he's put in, the, in, the, in the, mostly in the Rocky movies, his philosophy of life is you, you give it everything you got, you know, you, nobody's going to give it to you. Uh, fucking, sorry, I just swore. No, Over you the can top. swear. You can swear. That, that, that was my, all right, cool. Over the top was my motto of life. The world meets nobody halfway. If you want something in life, you got to go get it. I have been running off that saying since I was a teenager. Hmm. I've even said it, I have stepchildren. I've even said it to my stepchildren. This is how life works. You know, I'm using over the top quotes. Um, but that one in Rocky Balboa, it's, it's the Stallone philosophy of life put in words for all of us to hear. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's interesting. You talked about Stallone as kind of like a surrogate kind of a father figure or inspirational yeah. kind of a figure. I, myself, I, I, I have I, my dad, me and my, my father and I are close or as close as you can be for you got to understand my dad born 1945 came to Australia in 1969 he's a very old school kind of kind of guy you know he's TVs yeah. pop culture there wasn't really his thing he was a guy that came to Australia he worked his ass off he made you know a success of himself so he can provide for his family very kind of traditional migrant story he didn't really have time for the movies he had time for Stallone movies though, and that was the <laughs> film. Those those were the films, the Rocky films, the Rambo films, Over the Top, mm. Cobra. Those are the films that where I watched with him. The only time he ever yeah. went to the cinema was to watch the Rocky films. He was the guy that stood up in the middle of the Rocky Four fight and was shadow boxing badly, I might add, but shadow boxing. Uh, <laughs> because of the emotion of, and I think a lot of people kind of especially from like say like European background like my father is from, comes from Croatia not far from Italy we're right next door to where Stallone's uh, uh, you know where, uh, Stallone's family no doubt would have came from so there was that kind of aesthetic there but it's also just about the whole hard work concept uh, that he brought to his characters and yeah. that monologue in particular it just kind of drives people I mean I listen to that monologue now and again. It's just such a perfectly worded and delivered kind of thing. We're going back to Stallone, the dramatic actor, just how he delivers it, uh, raises his voice at the same time. You know, a lot of people give Stallone crap for his uh, his cadence, his voice. I mean, a lot of people don't know that that was actually from um, uh, a uh, mishap when he was born. The doctor used forceps and actually yeah, pinched a nerve. Exactly, and pinched a nerve yeah. in his face. So that's he can't handle that. But his his handle of the English language and himself as a writer, I think, is just really kind of just really kind of inspiring stuff. The way he puts things together. Um, I think yeah. another thing that's kind of when we talk about Stallone, the dramatic actor, they really kind of he 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 really made his mark with was a film called Copland came out in 1907 um, directed by James mm -hmm. Mangold and I think outside of Rocky and First Blood it's his best dramatic <clears throat> performance and you know at that time the early 90s was good for Stallone but when it hit the mid to late 90s I think guys like Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and other people were kind of definitely taken over the mantle so he went back to drama and he put on all this weight he became really pudgy but he stood toe-to-toe -to -toe yeah. with Robert De Niro and Harvey Cartel and Robert Leota and a lot of other great actors, veterans and newcomers, and really, really kind of showed what he can bring as a dramatic actor. I mean, did you think at that time that he really had something to prove in? And do we want to see more drama Stallone? I know he does his action films again now. He's reprising his characters of old. There's talk about Cobra coming back, maybe something to do with Tango and Cash again, where he's going to star in it, I don't know. But I miss Stallone, the dramatic actor. I want to see more kind of Copland-style stuff. What about you, John? Do you want to see more of that from him as well? <clears throat> Definitely. And, you know, in a way, Stallone has always tried to um, 
show that yes, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I remember initially early on in his career, and because yes, he's paralyzed on on the left side of his face, and he played Rocky, who's you know kind of uh, what's the word a bit dense. Uh, people, you know, he had an image. He's like, oh, Stallone, he's monosyllabic, you know, doesn't basically he wasn't very smart. You know, which is a complete opposite of reality. Stallone yeah. is an incredibly uh, intelligent human being, and just because his voice, you know, sounds that way at the time, people were judging him that way. And I think throughout his career, he he has tried to prove uh, to 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 to, to the establishment that yes, I'm more than Rocky, and I'm more than an action guy. I can act. You know, even even his, his uh, attempts at the comedy. Uh, Stop my mom will shoot was garbage. I'll agree to that. But Oscar was genius, and in my opinion, of course, and his comic timing was genius. And I thought it was a fantastic picture I saw on the big screen. But of course, you know, it tanked, and he had to go back to, to what he wanted to do. Um, Copland, he should have been nominated. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, you know, it's 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 more than talent. It's 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 bullshit. It's it's industry stuff. Copland, Miramax didn't want to put in the money to kind of advertise a nomination for Stallone, if I remember correct. So that's why he didn't get one. And the movie didn't, didn't perform very well, if I remember correct. So, but what I like, what Stallone's been doing since his resurgence, is that, like even Rambo 5, you saw Rambo 5, I haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure that there's, not only is it a very you know, solid action picture, but he gives a fantastic performance and gives himself and the character uh, acting moments that you wouldn't have seen in Rambo 2, for example. Is yeah, that correct? That is correct. I think what a lot of people are going to find really surprising about the latest Rambo movie is that the first 35 to 40 minutes, you, won't see mm. a, you, don't, see a, you don't see a kill. You don't see any bloodshed whatsoever. It's based... It's establishing a relationship between the Rambo character and a surrogate daughter that he has, who's a teenager. And the relationship between them two is the heart of the movie. And kind of like similar to the Taken movie, something happens to her. And that yeah. triggers the beast inside Rambo. At, uh, during this time, he's popping pills. He's trying to keep that beast inside. He's trying to live a life of, of, of uh, domesticity on his ranch in Bowie, Arizona. And when the violence, the deluge of violence finally hits, it hits hard. And the reason it hits hard is kind of like, if I could compare it, sometimes I was talking to a filmmaker a couple of days ago in regards to comparing filmmaking to music composition. Sometimes you have to hit the mm -hmm. right notes. And if I was yeah. going to compare Rambo to a genre, it would be kind of like traditional heavy metal where... You have those melodic parts, kind of like a song. Maybe I don't know if you're um, familiar with the the the, film, uh, the um, music of Metallica whatsoever. Of course, yes. So if you have a song like "Fade to Black" or "One" or "Sanitarium," yeah. you have those beginning parts of acoustic or clear uh, guitar, great melody. But when the distortion hits and those power chords come in, those thrashy moments come in, it hits you even harder because of the juxtaposition between the two. Um, but those hard parts aren't hard without those quiet parts beforehand. And Stallone, I think, is really good at providing those quiet parts, not only as a filmmaker. He didn't direct Rambo Last Blood. was directed by Adrian Grunberg. He did a really great job with a movie called Get the Gringo, which he did with Mel Gibson back, yeah. I think it was 2010. Yeah. And they do a really good job in establishing the dramatic aspects, the, what I call the stakes, the emotional stakes needed to make the film work. So when those hard parts hit, um, they have a, a really good effect. Not to mention that they're kind of very innovative and just ferocious in their execution as well. So yes, he definitely does do that. And I love what Learn does as a dramatic actor, but of course we all know him as an action guy as well. And he kind of resurrected a lot of careers when he did the Expendables back in 2010, for people who don't yeah. know, that was where he kind of brought back all of his buddies, um, Dolph Lundgren, Mickey Rourke, 
You also had Chet Lee and Jason Statham. Jason Statham represented a young guard. Uh, even like peculiar choices like Terry Crews and Randy Couture and, and a lot of people like that. And The Expendables showed Stallone's talent to bring put forward a franchise. He tried it before with Cobra, didn't work. Some other films didn't work as well. But this film went three movies in. In my opinion, the first movie was the best. I think a little too too many times it relied too much on novelty as opposed to good filmmaking. Um, what about you, John? When it came to the, the three Expendables films, what did you think? Did Stallone succeed in these movies or did they miss the mark? Uh, well, first of all, much like yourself, uh, the first film is my favorite, but the director's cut. Okay. Stallone director's cut. Which, uh, have you seen it? I haven't, no, no. I've only seen the theatrical cut. Yeah, no, you should you should check it out. Because okay. it's a much more uh, mature film. So more, um, uh, almost like Dirty Dozen. Less, less, less cheeky. You know, more you. serious, more grounded. Uh, and obviously also more violent than the, the version we had theatrically. Um, so I, I, I mean, I love the theatrical version. It's a lot of fun. The director's cut, I thought, was more the expendables that I wanted to see. Um, part two, I thought, was oh, heaps of fun. Um, and part three, yeah, totally lost me because part three, other than the PG-13 and the bad CGI, um, kind of forgot why people are loving these movies. It's mm. not to see Ronda Rousey and a bunch of MMA fighters that I don't I didn't even know. Or uh Kellen Lutz, I think his name is from Twilight. Yes. No, it's to see Stallone. It's to see all the old you know, that's the whole novelty of this franchise is you're putting all the old action guys into one film. So part three kinda of dropped the ball in that where there was too much well, first, the new people they brought in, I didn't find interesting. Mm-hmm. And second of all, they spent too much time on them as opposed to Stallone and, and company. So, so I think, you know, Stallone pulled it off to some degree, but I'm happy to hear that there's a part four uh, on the horizon just to kind of make it right. Because for me, part three, and even though I own it and I watched the, the R-rated cut of it, it's just not good. <laughs> I just don't like it. I hate that movie. I think the problem with the third one in particular is that he tried to cater to a demographic that wasn't his in the first place. I think exactly at yeah. that at that time the the superhero, especially the the MCU, was firmly had its grip. PG thirteen was was the thing that drew in a wide range of audience. But I think what that first Expendables film did was not only did it bring back the the action stars a lot of people grew up with we've which in a which from a in a lot of ways Stallone had an effect on their careers i mean there is no Dolph Lundgren without him being cast in Rocky 4 for example definitely, um, definitely but it also had a grit to it that the other films didn't yeah. have and I, it also had something which i thought was lacking in both 2 and 3 which is that i think 2 and 3 way too many times kind of like went skimped over its action scenes um the parts in the action scenes of part one there's a great fight scene for example between Stallone and and Steve Austin which lasts quite a while Stallone's action scenes his his filmography especially when when you talk about the Rocky films because Rocky's always a character that went the distance I think it's only Rocky 3 where the the fights didn't last longer than like three or four rounds um everything else was 12 round slugfests these prolonged action scenes where a lot of drama was happening the scenes and action scenes themselves and a great action scene itself should tell a story it's a physical story it's kind of like dance it's kind of like yeah, that kind of thing it, it, that's how it should come across and 2 and 3 I think skimped over it um, it was disappointing for me especially to finally be able to see Sylvester Stallone go up against Jean-Claude Van Damme or in the third yeah. film, Mel Gibson, and have the actions, those those fight scenes be so short and, and yeah. lacking and just not what I was hoping whatsoever. And I think that that's what really kind of bummed me out in regards to two or three. But part one, I, I, I'm, I'll go, I'll go, I'll defend part one until, uh, uh, you know, until the end of days. Because I think like Stallone directed that film as well. And, and 
I think when he is on board as a director, especially of action films, I know he's had some some flubs in the past as a director, but but in regards to action filmmaking, he's got such a good eye for it, and he puts everything into it. And um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned before there's a part four. How how certain is that? Is that something that he's definitely working on? Um, it sounds pretty certain, actually. Okay. Sounds pretty certain. Do we know yeah. of any any casting as yet? There's always been rumors, maybe of a Nicolas Cage, etc. I mean, if you could get a few guys in there that you haven't seen yet, who 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 would you put in an Expendables part for? Sean Fallon. <laughs> Sean Fallon as uh, as uh, the guy at McDonald's behind the counter or something. Um, no, in all seriousness, they pretty much put everybody that... Uh, I, I'd love to see Matthias Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, in uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, Part 2, I Come in Peace, the uh, bad guy, or Dark Angel, I think it was released in some territories, plays yes. a bad alien. Yep. I'd love to see him in there because uh, he's, a, he's just a fantastic uh, gentleman, just a really good person, and um, I know him personally. And, uh, you know... I think he deserves to be there. Um, Michael Parade as well, whom you know I worked with on on the shelter. Um, so that Bobo Young has, has passed on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe someone like a um, just kind of spitball in here would have had Scott Atkins in there, like a Michael Jai White or something would be really cool. Maybe kind of like you're more maybe. Yeah, oh, definitely. You know. Yeah. Or maybe like go outside of purview. Maybe have like um, have it set maybe in Asia. Have like an uh, like a some pick guys from the raid, for example. Um, you know, there's so many ways those films can go, which are which I think Stallone tried to get them there for some reason or another didn't work. I mean that cast of number three. I remember. I don't remember if you if you remember the scenes from the Cannes Film Festival that year. He had the whole cast on the red carpet. It was a photo shoot. I mean. I, I, you forget Wesley Snipes was in that film as well I mean he can bring together such great cars so if he does do a number four I just only hope that the action filmmaking can really uh, represent the cast that is on the screen because if, if there's anything that kind of disappointed me in Stallone's career it's the sequels uh, to the Expendables uh, film let's um, well like I said I love I love part two um, I just thought it was really enjoyable, even though, yes, the final fight with Van Damme could have been more. But um, I still think uh, I still think that, you know, he, he could bring it back, you know, get your, your I don't know, Sigourney Weaver in there, why not? That's know, or it. Kurt Russell. That's that, Wellers. Yes, that's some interesting uh, names right there. I mean, Kurt Russell, of course, he worked with before. And I have the feeling that you and I might be talking about a little Tango Cash now, because we're going to finish, <laughs> finish off this podcast now with... We're going to put together like a question I gave to you uh, beforehand is that I wanted to put together a Stallone retrospective, but the catch is it cannot include a film from either the Rocky or the Rambo franchises. We're going to go outside of those two uh, franchises because it's really easy to do a retrospective on Stallone and throw a bunch of Rambo and Rocky in there. It's an easy thing to do. We're going to go deep dive here. We're going to choose some okay. films. Let's go, we're going to choose five films each. Let's compare and contrast and, and put together the ultimate <coughs> Stallone retrospective. So how about you, John? You go first. What are the five films that you chose and why did you choose them? Uh, definitely Cobra. Uh, okay. Cobra is one of my favorite movies, period. Um, it's, it blows the mind that it, it never became a franchise. I, I know he didn't. It didn't tank at the box, box office. It actually made good money, um, but for some reason there was never, uh, never. I know he got bad reviews, but there was never. Yeah, there was never a sequel. So Cobra definitely it is the '80s on film. All the beautiful macho bullshit and uh, and then the score and the soundtrack and Angel of the City and. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Cobra, Cobra should have been a franchise. Last time I said Lock Up, um, because it's uh, it's another one of those um, half, you know, just entertaining uh, action drama, but also at the same time, it's a good performance piece for for Mr. Stallone. Um, I always enjoyed that picture. The great score too. Um, Tango and Cash, mm-hmm. which uh, you mentioned, 
which is a great buddy movie, great action comedy. Cliffhanger, which is a movie that just gets better and better uh, as time goes by. I watched it, actually, I, I went and climbed uh, a mountain with a friend of mine uh, uh, last winter, and when we got back, we were exhausted. We just, let's just watch Cliffhanger. And uh, it's definitely aged very well. It's a much better movie that I remembered it was. And last but certainly not least, Over the Top. Ah. A movie that uh, is half uh, the champ with uh, Ricky Schroeder and uh, the other half is arm wrestling. So uh, I know that it didn't get very good reviews when it was initially released. And um, But for, some, for me, it always worked how Stallone managed to make a, a film about, you know, a father and, and son and being estranged and at the same time set it within the world of arm wrestling, which I don't know about you, but I, I think it's pretty much the only movie I've ever seen set in the world of arm wrestling. And it, and it worked as a whole, you know, tossing some Kenny Loggins and uh, you're in business. That's the way I go. So my five films do differ from yours. We are some some similarities but i'm kind of we, we we're going to be on a, on a different track here and i'm going to go here <laughs> i'm going to start off with yeah. like deep in the stallone filmography i'm going to start with nighthawks um okay great film love that picture a bearded spectacled almost welcome back mr cutter vibe uh sylvester stallone in almost, it's almost kind of like a buddy kind of comedy. It's him and Billy D. Williams, but Stallone definitely is the star of the film. Going face to face with the late great uh, Rutger Hauer, um, he plays a, yeah. a, a terrorist, and Stallone is kind of like a detective who uh, who takes it upon himself to try to stop uh, Rutger Hauer's uh, character from uh, blowing up uh, New York City. Um, the next film we're going to agree, Cobra, uh, Marion Cabrera. I think outside of uh, the Rocky and Rainbow franchises, this one definitely had the, the, the potential at least to, to do something. I think it was just a thing of it had to be something that could only work in the 80s. I don't, I don't think you could ever see a Cobra movie um, work in the 90s. I think there's a lot of things about that time, um, especially kind of like the whole thing in regards to that whole biker gang cult kind of thing that I had there, that was something that really suited the yeah. 80s more than any other decade. What do you think, by the way, of the news that um, Stallone said that he's thinking about resurrecting Cobra as a sort of maybe like a long-form mm. TV series, maybe something for streaming? Robert Robert Rodriguez was a name that was attached to it. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I have mixed feelings. I mean, um, I know it's going to be a TV series, and uh, Rod yeah, Rodriguez is actually in charge. I'm getting the impression that Stallone is not going to play Cobra. So, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to pull it off unless they pull a, uh, they make a comedy out of it to a certain degree, like 21 Jump Street. Uh, because what's appealing about Cobra it is, it, for me anyways, the, the, you know, the nostalgic elements, you know, the the music and the, the fashion and the sunglasses and the matchstick in his mouth, the one-liners, the machismo. These are all things that you can't really transpose today, in my opinion, uh, without going the comedic route, so, which I really hope they don't do. So, I, yeah, I have no idea how they're going to pull it off uh, uh, unless they just do uh, a TV show about a cop who's on you know, the zombie squad and he, he wears sunglasses and he's cool. Yeah. Do you, do you think it could be a possibility maybe they make it like set in the 80s I mean uh, that would kind of like take care of all of the kind of like the uh, style elements yeah, and yeah, music yeah. elements set it in the 80s um, hmm. don't reference the original movie make it like a whole new story maybe uh, recast a film with a like an actor like John Bernthal for example so great in The Punisher and uh, other films like yeah, that definitely. I can see a guy like that really taking on a role maybe he doesn't want to do a role day, like the Punisher and Cobra there's a lot of kind of similarities there in, in sort, of, sort of stuff but um, I think it could have the possibility to be like really good I mean it's so tricky though I mean to pull a film like that that's very distinct for its era and distinct for you know Stallone's movies are very much embedded with who he is as an actor as well and he's such a unique personality mm. unique look so that's going to be an interesting one there my third film in my Stallone retrospective, you and I are going to agree on Lock Up. I think 
that movie is so good. A lot of people kind of, to this day, kind of, kind of like, don't mention it enough in regards to fine Stallone kind of like dramas or action dramas. Um, mm-hmm. Such a great slimy bad guy and Donald Sutherland and. Yeah, I mean you had the uh, um, Sunny London you know, in there as well, who people remember from Predator. Plays more too. Yeah, the best of the best. I mean, so many great guys. I mean, of course, Tom, you just mentioned Tom Sizemore. I think this was like Tom Sizemore's yeah. really his breakthrough uh, kind of role here. He, he's kind of like almost like a like a Ratso Rizzo kind of uh, kind of guy, like a yeah, like a weasel. Um, so excellent. I mean that movie. I mean that's a kind of film. Sloan's really good at kind of like evoking emotions in you of a. Of you know frustration and, and, and anger because a lot of these characters, especially the character in that film, uh, is really pushed to the limits of of uh, how far um, he's willing to go to to kind of protect himself and the people that he loves. So that's that'll be my third choice. My fourth choice, you chose Cliffhanger uh, from nineteen ninety three. I'm going to go with the other movie from nineteen ninety three. That's Demolition Man, and. Um, that's a really interesting film. Uh, to me, it was almost like Stallone's answer to what Schwarzenegger was doing at the time with a lot of a lot of kind of futuristic kind of stuff. And, but he has a really good dig. I mean, the Schwarzenegger Stallone rivalry is something that I think will make for a really good biopic in around ten years from now. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes. there's a really good dig in Demolition Man where. Frank Stallone, uh, um, Sylvester Stallone's character of John Spartan, which is just an excellent uh, character name, by the way. Um, yeah. He is driving around this futuristic version of Los Angeles with Sandra Bullock in one of her first kind of big breakthrough uh, performances. And she mentioned something about the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger presidential library, <laughs> at which point uh, yeah. <laughs> Stallone rolls his eyes, going, "Oh my God, what is what the hell has happened to the two one or two America?" Um, but I thought it was just a, such a funny kind of uh, funny line and, and dick as well, and, and not too far from the truth. I mean, uh, if if Schwarzenegger uh, wasn't a, a migrant who came from Austria, there's a very much a chance he could he could run. I mean, he was a governor of California for I think what two terms was it, John? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was yeah. So there's a possibility. There's always that possibility. So that, but I'm going to go with Demolition Man. Also, a great villainous performance by Wesley Snipes, and uh, he's just. I mean, Stallone's got a lot of good. Like as an action hero, he needs his villains, and and Wesley Snipes is uh, Simon Phoenix is one of them. And my final one, we're going to go back to Copland. Um, Stallone's role as Freddie Heflin. Um, <coughs> one of my outside, like I said, outside of Rocky and and Rambo. Uh, my my favorite uh, Stallone dramatic performance. So how about you and I now? We're gonna nail down the five films. So we got Cobra. We got Lockup. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take off my choice of uh, Nighthawks and I'm gonna go with Cliffhanger because you know that's it. That's a I think one thing that Stallone does well is as well is he plays the role of the reluctant hero a lot of times. Yeah. Kind of like the guy who doesn't want to fight, but he's, he's chosen to fight. And that movie, it's definitely like one of those films. I mean, you saw... I, I, I don't know if, if you saw... I saw Cliffhanger like on uh, on a movie screen, uh, like a, on a TV screen, yeah, like VHS. Did you see it in the cinema oh. or did you see it on, on a I VHS? Saw, I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, I saw it. After... Uh... Uh, Rocky Four. I pretty much went to see every Sylvester Stallone movie on on the big screen. When I saw Lock Up on the big screen, I saw um, Over the Top on the big screen, Cliffhanger. Um, I didn't see Cobra because I don't remember why. But your question was. But uh, when you saw that movie on the big screen and that opening sequence happens where Stallone is dangling on that line and he's yeah. holding that woman in his hands and his glove slowly grips what was the what was the feeling like I mean how thick was the tension during that scene because me watching it on VHS at that time uh, at home like I could barely stomach it because it was just so thrilling in the cinemas what was that like Uh, it was exactly as you would imagine I mean it's a very intense scene even when I watched it um, uh, last uh, winter I know what's going to happen. I know she's going to slip and fall. But you're still on the edge of your seat, kind of hoping that she won't. So, uh, yeah, on the big screen, uh, yeah, definitely edge of your seat. Uh, there's no other way to say it. 
a very powerful scene. It's probably actually the scene in the film that I remember the most. Really, that you say cliffhanger, that's the scene that pops in my head. Yeah, definitely. And parodied really well by um, Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura Part 2 as well, by the way. If, if anyone has ever seen that, that's uh, it's pretty fun as well. So let's go three. So we got Cobra, we got um, Cliffhanger. Uh, what was the other one we said? Lock Up. So we got, we got three right there. Um, would you give me Demolition Man on that? Okay, so Demolition Man. So we got, I got Over the Top and Tango and Cash. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll, put I'll give you. <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll put in Tango and Cash for sure. I was gonna. I was gonna. I, I don't want to remove over the top. Mm. Can't do it. Uh, but you know, no, fine. Sure, you could remove over the top with Demolition Man. So how about retrospective, Stallone retrospective? You're you're in, uh, say, I don't know, uh, Montreal. Uh, you see Stallone retrospective, and they have. Cobra, Lock Up, Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, and Tango and Cash. How how there quick how quick are you handing over Cash to to sit for a good solid ten eleven hours to watch all those films back to back? <laughs> that, that that sounds like a night of the movies if I've ever heard of one. Uh, really, uh, these are actually all Tango and Cash has been on my rewatch list. Cobra, I, I know. By heart at this point, I know every frame, I know every <laughs> beat of that film. Um, Lock Up too, I wouldn't mind rewatching. So basically, there's two prison movies: Tango and Cash, Lock Up. Although there's also Victory. Victory, yeah. See, that's a, that's another one as well. I was kind of like contemplating whether to put that on the list. I wasn't sure whether to do it, um, but I think we what what we kind of I really wanted to establish with that was that. He is the guy who's known for Rocky and Rambo, but there's other things there as well. And um, I think that's just what made him, what makes him such, not only such a popular uh, movie star over the years, one of the biggest movie stars of all time for sure, but there's a versatility, yeah. I think, to his work that a lot of people just don't see. Um, and I ho really hope that the conversation that you and I had in regards to his Sylvester Stallone's career and his influence I mean really kind of brought that across I mean that was definitely my intention and um, John Fallon I, I thank you very much for joining me in, in this look back at the career of a of a actor and a filmmaker who not only influenced our lives clearly as we talked about at the beginning of our podcast but a lot of people as well I doubt very much that many people will be in boxing gyms or in gyms in general these days if it wasn't for um, the movies that Stallone put forth and um, look uh, once again I've got to thank you again I can't wait to see what your reaction is to Last Blood I mean I'll, I'll, I'll eagerly mm -hmm. anticipate are you going to are you going to watch that soon? Uh, yeah actually uh, much like yourself uh, my dad doesn't go to the movie theaters you know he's an older gentleman now but when I showed him the trailer to The Last Blood he's like we're going <laughs> we're going to see it on the big screen so it's going to be a father son uh I can't remember last time I saw a movie with my dad. So it's going to be a father-son uh, night, hopefully uh, over this weekend, uh, but if not, uh, early next week. Excellent. I will have, I'll have my review up in a few hours. Um, and the police podcast I'm going to have up later tonight, my time. So as soon as it's up, I'll be sure to, to send you links, etc., John. And... Um, Look, uh, once again, thank you very much. Uh, we talked about some of the stuff you have um, upcoming at the start of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's in the podcast now. Where can people find you online so they can follow your work? Oh, so, you can find me at uh, john-fallon.com, which is my official blog and also uh, a blog for my production company, Brews Productions. I'm also on Twitter, which is uh, John H. Fallon. Instagram, John underscore H underscore Fallon. And good old Facebook, which is, give me a second, because I don't remember, Fallon Johnny on Facebook. So, yeah, I invite everybody listening. Come and uh, follow me as I explore the wondrous world of the film industry. And I, I recommend everyone check out John's work, both as a filmmaker and as a as a critic and as an industry professional as well. I mean, uh, 
Uh, John, you've been doing such a good job lately, and I really love the way that you've been branching out into uh, into filmmaking as well. Shelter was one of my f- favorite films when released that year, and um, I, you know, whenever people actually ask, you know, what happened to uh, Michael Pare, uh, for example, I always say, hey, check out Shelter. It's such a great film, right. and um, and it was really good that we can talk again on the podcast. We last time you and I spoke, the first time we spoke was for uh, Shelter, so um, okay. it's yeah. really cool we can get together now and talk about all things Stallone because uh, you know, like like we said, if it wasn't for Stallone, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Um, so right. John Fallon, I thank you again very much for your time today, and I'm um, hopefully we can talk again, and I'm really look forward to see what's happening uh, with Heretic and uh, and uh, was it No Man's Bridge was the other film as well that's right No Man's Bridge yes and so uh, I'm really looking forward I love this, I love the concept uh, art for both films so far and uh, and what you've been posting regards to progress for both films so uh, congratulations to you on that and uh, once again thank you very much for your time thanks a lot Matt have yourself a great evening <laughs>